Welcome, my friends, to a mini mug. It's like a regular episode, except there's only one topic, I don't have any guests, and there's not really a theme. So I guess in other words, it is nothing like a regular episode. Alas, sometimes I just want, nay, I need to throw in some more historical morsels out there relating to a past episode. And in our last episode, Nursery Rhymes Part 3, Liz and I just flew past some torture devices that I just have to talk about. I mean, we reacted appropriately in horror when we discovered that the pair of anguish and thumb screws might be the silver bells and cockle shells from Mary Mary Quagantrary. But we kind of glossed over what they were, so I guess spoiler alert if you're listening backwards. Whoops. Anywho, today's little nuggets are the brief yet horrifying history of a couple of torture devices. You are welcome. Unfortunately for humanity, people have always been awful and way too creative with creating new and disturbing ways to inflict pain on other humans. Could you even imagine where we'd be if they put all this energy into something less tortury? You know, like at this point we'd probably be teleporting and have fly cars or something, and I wouldn't have a two-hour commute. All right, so let's kick this bad boy off with thumbs. Fun fact, we are part of an exclusive club of beings with these additional digits that allow us to grasp and hold shit. For no reason whatsoever, I felt compelled to list some of the creatures on this planet that have thumbs. Number one, humans, obviously. Number two, apes. I think that's also an obvious one to most of us. Number three, Old world monkeys. And this means that they're native to Asia and Africa. Number four, lemurs. Like that movie. I like to move it, move it. I like to move my thumbs. Number five, chameleons. I love chameleons. Got those little oven mitt hands. I adore them. They're very temperamental though. You have to be a very good pet parent to be able to take care of a chameleon because they have to have a very specific humidity level and heat. In case you didn't know, in a past life, I was a reptile expert. <laughs> Such a weird thing. That's what I did to get myself through my undergraduate in college. I'm also trying to convince Zeke that we need a bearded dragon right now. Do I, I don't need a bearded dragon. I just really want one because I love them. Anywho, number six, koalas. And listen, Patreon is a family, right? I talk about it all the time. And one of our Patreon fam is in Australia. And she legit just has koalas hanging out in her backyard. I can't wrap my head around this. All I have are just squirrels that torment my dogs and deer. Am I jealous? Yes. Am I also slightly afraid of Australia? Yes. Do I think the cuteness of koalas and kangaroos and stuff will outweigh my fear of snakes? <clears throat> Jury's still out. Number seven, giant pandas. Also a big fan. They're so cute. Like when they're just sitting there eating, just staring at you like, what? Oh, I just relate. Number eight, possums. I love possums. I think they are adorable. I know some people think they're like garbage rodents, but I think they are sweet. And raccoons. Raccoons got very, very uh, human-y hands, like if they're reaching through cracks. Like you see those TikToks where people see raccoons underneath their floorboards or something in their deck, and it just looks like a zombie apocalypse scenario. I also relate to raccoons. I always have bags under my eyes. I dress like a garbage human most of the time, and I like to eat junk. Number nine, waxy monkey leaf frogs. For some reason, I'm just thrilled to death with like frogs having thumbs. 
And number 10, New World Monkeys. So that would be in the Americas, North and South. But out of that list, only one of us decided to look at these thumbs and think, hey, we should put some screws in them. That'd really fuck some shit up. And so they did. And this became a really effective form of torture. Quite a famous torture device. Some historians believe that the thumbscrew came from the Russian army. It is believed that officers use this device to punish soldiers who misbehaved. That's going to be a big no for me. For those of you out there that are in the military or have been in the military, can you even imagine if that was still a form of uh, discipline today? Holy shit. But then at some point in history, a random Scottish dude came to Russia, saw this and thought, oh, hell yes, I need to bring this back home with me. And reportedly, he did. He could not wait to show his buddies, be like, look at this shit I found in Russia. And somehow word spread and all the blacksmiths were like, I need to get on that. And so they did. And they copied the design and mass produced this <laughs> torture device. And other historians think this goes back to ancient Greece and Rome. Like everything in history, it could be both true and it could both be false. And there could also be another option out there that we haven't discovered yet. In other words, neither one is wrong or correct, like Schrodinger's historical shit. If we've learned anything about humans is that we can come up with some really fucked up shit simultaneously, but not together. It really makes you worry about our brains, right? Right? That the fact that two people in two different places in the world, two different cultures, two different environments, two different values, two different literally everything can have the same light bulb moment and go, hey, we could torture somebody in the exact same way. I guess that's a psych rant for another day, but sometimes that keeps me up at night. How? How? And even like nursery rhymes, you guys, some of these are really fucked up and they're so similar, but these people never met each other. How? How do our brain? Why? It's like proof that we're innately just disturbed. <laughs> Like, we're just engineered to be morbid. Oh, it's terrible. So regardless of who designed this first, she made a big comeback in the Middle Ages. A thumbscrew is also known as a thumbkin, a thumbikin, a pillywink, or a pillneewink. So it has some big torture energy, regardless of what you call it. And the wild thing is that it wasn't designed to be lethal at all. It was just designed to inflict extraordinary pain upon the victim. And these are some evil geniuses out there, right? Because people are surviving. They're going out back to live their life with their crushed ass thumbs and everybody's seeing it. So you know that that person got in trouble, but you're also taking note, like whatever they did, I'm not doing that shit because look at their thumbs. I'd be singing like a canary if somebody busted out one of those things and I didn't even do anything wrong. Which is the problem with torture is that you'll, you know, admit to literally anything and that's why it doesn't work. So typically a thumbscrew is comprised of three vertical bars, right? All right, imagine this. I'll also put photos on Instagram and shit so you can not have to imagine this. So three vertical bars. There is another bar affixed horizontally so it spaces these bars out and the middle one has screws so it's threaded to look like a screw there is a second bar but it's not a fix so it kind of swings around and is also on there and it's time to do some torture the finger is placed between the affixed bar and the loose bar and then the loose bar is steadily tightened along the length of the vertical bars until it's held against the fingers of the victim and then the bar is steadily tightened more and more until the finger is crushed Listen, this device is small, it is simple, but it is scarily effective. 
I mean, it's tiny, but it can crush your bones. And it did. And one of the most common victims of thumbscrew torture was mostly heretics or blasphemers. And this torture was seen as a legitimate means to extract confessions, but also obtain names of accomplices. So, you know, just think of all the crimes where you're wanting to know who helped you. And there are some sources that say women were victims of this quite a lot as well. And I'm sure this will not be shocking to anyone, but people then adapted the thumbscrew to crush people's big toes. And then larger screws could work on knees, elbows, and even heads. Although clearly a head screw probably killed some people, so it does not fall into this non-lethal device area that we're in right now. I mean, if you're watching somebody's head get squished like a pumpkin, you're going to probably just confess to the threat of torture at this point. You don't even have to be touched. And they are probably innocent. It is infuriating. And if you're a Patreon member, you might remember that one of the Art Raver Rage episodes I did, my girl Artemisia Gentileschi. She is one of my favorite artists of all time. And she was actually tortured with a thumbscrew in court because they wanted to coerce her to confess, trigger warning here for about five seconds, that she was not raped. She was, in fact, by her father's assistant in his studio. If that doesn't make your blood boil, then I do not know what will. And this was like 16, 1500s, 1500s. And our girl did not back down. She maintained her truth like a badass she was. And she was tortured. She was just belittled and shamed. And it was awful. If you've ever seen her painting... Judith and Holofernes, where she's uh, cutting that dude's head off, you can understand. You can understand why that's an incredible painting. Like her getting the vengeance on the the people that hurt her. And fun fact, I have a necklace that's Holofernes' head uh, being chopped off, so I wear it a lot. And nobody ever gets it, because I'm just wearing a decapitated head with some swords and shit. But one of these days, somebody's going to notice. And I hope they appreciate it. <laughs> But I wear it for, like, strength because she's one of the strongest historical figures I know. Like, she's just so amazing. So, anyway, you should look her up or join Patreon. Shameless plug. Anywho, next time somebody says you're screwed, think about the thumbscrew and then just appreciate your thumbs. All right, next up, we're going to dive into the pair of anguish. Now, first of all, when I started my initial Goog, it autocorrected to pair of anguish for sale as my first option. That means that it has been Googled enough that that is the most popular result. Is everyone okay? Why are enough people trying to buy this thing that it's the number one result? Are they using it for the rumored purposes or just to say they have one? Where do you think they store it? Do they put it on the mantle? Like, how do you even explain that you have one to someone? I have so many questions and no answers. So what is the pair of anguish? Imagine a pear-shaped lump of metal that would be shoved up your bum hole, and it has some screws that, unfortunately, when they're turned, open the pear, and many accounts say that it was used on any orifice, but this particular scenario gets the most credit. And if this made you cringe, you're not alone. Many, many throughout the years have imagined the horrors of a ripping anus or vagine, but rest easy, my friends. Historians are now very confident that these accounts are false and that this device had a very less tortury purpose. Whew, look at that. I'm giving good news for once. That never happens. 
So first of all, there are no contemporary first-hand accounts of these devices or how they were being used in the medieval times. So that is a big red flag. Something this horrific and reportedly used often would have been written down. The torture devices that we know existed, we have lots of first-hand documentation about them. And I mean, personally, I think that if I would have witnessed something close to the pair of anguish being uh, used on somebody, I feel like that would be something I would remember and I would probably want to tell somebody about. So I feel like there would be documentation. One of the most early accounts of something similar to this would be 1639. It was mentioned in F.D. Calvi's General Inventory of the History of Thieves, where it's mentioned that there was this invention by robber Captain Gachereau de Palioli. I don't know French. And essentially, it was a pair-like mechanical gag, and they would use it to subdue the wealthy Parisians while he was robbing their shit. And in the 19th century, a device appeared in Francis Gross's Dictionary of the Vulgar Tongue, and it was called a choke pair. And it describes it as an aid for extortion, and that it was originally found in Holland. Another mention is found in Brewer's Dictionary of Phrase and Fable, so this is 1898, which claims that, quote, robbers in Holland at one time made use of a piece of iron in the shape of a pear, which they forced into the mouth of their victim. On turning a key, a number of springs thrust forth points of iron in all directions, so that the instrument of torture could never be taken out except by the means of the key. Essentially, it's just a really fancy ball gag. <laughs> I never thought I would say Paul Gag in my podcast, but here we are. Hi, Mom. Sorry. <laughs> and it should be noted that nobody called this thing the pair of anguish until the 19th century as well. Then you're like, Bikina, there are these things in museums and collections all over the world, and they, they say it's medieval. You would be correct. That is true. But listen, these don't have a provenance, which is just a fancy museum term for knowing where it came from. So if you don't know where something came from, it looks old, it looks like medieval torture, you're probably just going to assume that it's medieval torture. And that would be an educated guess. And think about it, a lot of times these older museums, old collections came from a time where there was a lot of... Uh, how should I say this, uh, looting and uh, stealing to make these collections. And this is like 19th century. So people were a little less academic about labeling some of the things they have in their collections. So this all checks out to me. And we all know how fucked up people's imaginations can be. It's really not shocking that people saw this and ran with it. And somebody labeled it and they're like, oh yeah, I could totally see that. I guarantee you every single one of us saw this at some point in our lives, we're like, oh yeah, that totally makes sense because I know I did. <laughs> so I'm going to wrap this up from the words of Australian historian Chris Bishop. And it's from the medievalist.net. And he, he just beautifully sums this all up. Quote, one could imagine them as surgical instruments, some sort of speculum perhaps, or a device for leavening open the mouth in order that a dentist might operate. But then they could have just easily been shoe extenders or sock stretchers or glove wideners. <laughs> Imagine this whole time we're like, oh my God, that's totally a medieval torture device. And it was used to stretch socks. <laughs> so at some point, somebody's like, hey, Bishop dude, what about all these museums having one? How, how come they're so popular? Why, why does everybody want to talk about it as a torture instrument? So he replied, quote, 
This is the point then at which a curiosity is being transformed into something much more nefarious. No longer the unique prototype of a singularly depraved mind, by the 1860s, the pair has become a member of a darker taxon. A taxon? I don't know what that means. God, I'm so smart. Okay, I did a goog, and it means a taxonomic group of rank, such as a species, families, or class. So definitely a word I should have recognized. Okay, back to the quote, Bishop says, by misconstruing the function of the device itself, and by mistaking the key that unlocks it for a screw to manipulate it, the emphasis of the operation has shifted away from a purely mechanical function to the slow and deliberate application of pain. I think he nailed it. I think that we looked at it, saw it as a torture device, and immediately just made sure that any explanation after that was torture device. Which is such an important thing to remember about history is that, you know, if you don't have provenance, you need to be careful not to just create this narrative. So anyhow, there you have it. The pair of anguish was probably not torture. Torture absolutely did exist in the medieval ages and it absolutely still exists today, but we can at least cross this one off the list of nightmare fuel for now. Again, it is a huge possibility that someday we may discover a firsthand account and realize that we were wrong. So yay history. You think you know stuff and then you realize you don't know stuff and it's always changing. And that kind of keeps me up all night because it's always changing so often that who's to say that like in a decade, if anybody listens to the podcast, they'll be like, God, she's a moron. Like none of this is true anymore. (laughs) So if that's true and you're listening to this at the time that I recorded, all of this was true. Anywho, thanks for listening. I will be back soon with some special guests to talk about indigenous history, starting with our girl Ashley. If you are listening to this right now when it comes out on November 28, 2021, tomorrow is Cyber Monday and everything will be off 15% in the store. That is shop.spreadshirt.com slash historical AF pod. If you want to get all these episodes before everybody else and watch them live and get lots of goodies in the mail and, you know, just be a part of this amazing, incredible family and do cool things like tea parties and gift exchanges, then join Patreon. That's patreon.com slash historical AF pod and tiers are anything from $2 to 20. And if you're already in the Patreon fam, we have the link to the gift exchange up. It'll be a limit of 30 bucks. Um... We're doing it through Elfster, so you'll get a name. You can just shop for that person. And it's almost my birthday, so I imagine we'll have a tea party soon to celebrate that. Because, yay. You know, when you have a December birthday, you just got to take what you can get. Because everybody's already just moved on to Christmas after Thanksgiving. And I'm like, hey, my birthday is the 6th. Like, don't forget me. If you have a story you would like us to read on the Extra AF, I'm accumulating enough to start doing those again. So send that in to historicalafpod at gmail.com. And as always, thank you so much for being so patient and kind. I know that the podcast has been anything but consistent since I got a job and uh, I'm really working on it. I think I'm starting to get into a groove. Fortunately for Patreon, most of the content on there is just me driving because I commute so much, (laughs) but thankfully nobody's complained. If you guys like these little nuggets, these are really quick and easy for me to make, and I'll just try to plug in as many of these I can while we wait on the real episodes. Finally, I just want to say that we just had Turkey Day here in the United States, and I am so incredibly thankful for all of you. You guys have brought so much joy to my life, and 
the fact that I have friends and family from all over the world now is more than I could ever have dreamed for myself. And this year has been a tough one and it has been full of some of the best and worst things that have happened. And I I have been through some shit, you know, we all have like people with trauma are uh, attracted to people with trauma. But I, I know that in the past when I've experienced grief and loss and a lot of, you know, the not having a job and all the money issues and everything that was really dark in my life before I didn't have you guys. And this time I've had so much love and support and kindness in my life that it really got me through some really, really tough times. And things are taking a turn, you know, now that I have a job and I have something that I I care about, like all my dreams since I was seven of being in a museum are coming true. So it's just, it's nice. And it's nice now to have good things happening and seeing so much love and support still coming my way. You guys are just amazing. So thank you, Sing. Thank you, thank you, thank you. (laughs) I can't even talk. Thank you. Thank you so much for everything. You guys are incredible. All right. I'll see you next time with my special guest, Ashley, for Indigenous History. Okay, bye. (laughs) 